This is a tough one. Today I'm talking with someone who's endured every mother's worst nightmare. I'm honored that she's here sharing the real and the raw. However, I really want you to know that if that we are talking about hard things. So if you're feeling particularly vulnerable or tender, you might want to come back and listen to this on another day. That being said, her message is one of inspiration and light, and I can't wait for you to hear. Hey y'all, this is a podcast that explores eudaimonia. You to what? Eudaimonia is an ancient word that describes the state of your own personal flourishing. I'm your host, Emily Geiser, and I started this podcast to remind each of us just how much agency we have in our own flourishing. I hope you'll listen with a beginner's mind and walk away with new ideas and inspiration so that you feel not just fine, but radiant and energized. And hey, if you are feeling exhausted, there are a couple of things you can do right now so you feel better tomorrow. Grab my three secrets to end exhaustion. These are the ones no one's telling you on my website, emilygeiser.com and look forward to more joy and less overwhelm soon. You can grab that at emilygeiser.com, E-M-I-L-Y-G-E-I-Z-E-R.com. Link is in the show notes. Does 30% off catch your attention? This month, there's a huge discount on my favorite clean beauty brand. And so whether you're looking for like a really good exfoliator to slough off this winter dullness, high quality products that target signs of aging or sun damage, or you just need your body lotion, your shampoo, or even cosmetics, you are in luck. Beauty Counter has all the top products, safer than your other products, and with this huge discount. The link to shop and the code are in the show notes and just know beauty counter offers a full 60 day return policy so you can try it if you don't absolutely love it return it and get all your money back there's really no risk tisha ensley is a mom of an angel child and three children here on earth She's been married to her high school sweetheart for 23 years. Tisha grew up as an army brat, traveling the U.S., and currently lives in Texas. She's been in the real estate business for 19 years and just recently stepped away to pursue her own healing and helping others get through loss and trauma by creating and launching her podcast called Permission to Live. Stick around to the end because Tisha inspired me to bring back one of my popular programs and I'm going to offer it to you for free. Tisha, welcome. Thank you for being here and sharing your story and um, your process since then. It's it's, um, really brave of you. Thank you, Emily. Thank you for having me and giving me the opportunity to get the message out and to um, help others if I can and and share my story. I appreciate it. Uh, I think it's just absolutely remarkable that you have taken something so traumatic and turning it into a reason to live and a message Mm -hmm. to share with others. So I would love to just open this up to you for you to for you to just start with what you would like to share. Yeah, thank you. So I 
yeah, I lost my son. We lost our son December 6th of 2021. So it's been a year and I've been so kind of used to, I guess, in the past year saying last December, and I have to now say the year. So I can't believe it's been, I can't believe it's been a year already, but we lost him. Um, he was 23 years old, a beautiful, um, blue eyed, uh, loving, caring, uh, kid. And he, unfortunately, uh, through life fell into addiction and, uh, he was actually in active recovery in December. He had been in active recovery since, excuse me, September. And he, as a lot of stories of people who are in addiction or active recovery, he relapsed and, uh, his drug of choice was oxy. And he asked, that's what he thought he was getting. And unfortunately, um, because of the issues that we have today in our, in the U S with fentanyl, it was, uh, laced. And we have found out that it was actually 100% fentanyl and it was four times the amount of a lethal dose. So it, uh, instantly took his life. So the morning of December 6th, um, I received a call that every mother dreads, wishes it would never happen and probably has nightmares about, um, that my son Connor had passed away. This must be a very hard time of year for you. It has been. Yeah, it has been. We Thanksgiving was our first Thanksgiving without him. Yeah. Uh, it was his fav- one of his favorite holidays. He loved to eat. He loved mac and cheese. He loved all things uh, Thanksgiving, family, um, football. That was very hard. That was very hard to have him missing from the table. Um, sure. Last Christmas, we uh, were in the middle of this being so traumatic and new. And so, yes, it was, he did not have Christmas with us last year, but this is kind of our first going into the Christmas season, you know, without buying for kids presents, without buying for children um, candy for stockings, right. And, and put, putting it back to three. In fact, we had just yesterday, my husband had received um, money gifts from his mom for the kids and he was opening them. And he's like, well, there's only three. And then just stopped him in his tracks and he just started crying and, you know, and he's like, wow. Cause his first instinct was one kid's going to be disappointed. But then he had to realize, no, there's, there's only three. So that's been hard. Um, that's been real tough. And right after he passed away or when he passed away, we were both him and I were kind of going through our own healing journey as far as physical healing. And, um, he decided when he, uh, wanted to get sober that he also wanted to live, uh, an abundant life, not only in sobriety, but with his health and fitness. And, um, we kind of dove in it together. It's always kind of been his passion. It's always been my passion. And we started, uh, healing together physically as far as like diet and exercise and cleaning up, um, sugar and just trying to heal from the inside. And he, uh, when he went to this amazing um, treatment center, he learned a lot of things that we were completely naive to in our own little world. He learned about meditation and he learned about breath work and he learned about healing the nervous system and healing the inner in, inside because that's where addiction kind of starts is trauma on the inside typically. And so he shared that with us and that kind of launched me in my own healing journey with him. And then after he passed away, just really kind of, um, I guess, buckling down or just really uh, diving deeper into that, knowing what I was about to face, losing him and the most traumatic thing that could probably ever happen to somebody um, because it's so unnatural. Um, that kind of 
kept me on this path of digging deeper into what this inner healing meant and what this breath work and meditation and what this um, just nervous system, all that, all that was new to me. So I kind of dove even deeper into that after he passed away. Isn't it remarkable that he gave you such a gift before passing away and it, and it was your ultimate gift to heal, right? Yeah. 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 I've discovered so many things, obviously healing and you're never really going to be healed from losing a child. That pain's always going to be there um, because it's your, it's your, it's your heart, right? It's an extension of you essentially. Um, But with this and and just diving deeper, I've just discovered so many areas in my life that I've held on to trauma. My body's held on to loss. My body's held on to that, that has come out in physical ailments or relationship, um, you know, dysfunction and, Yes, what a gift he's given me um, through this and exposing me to this very shortly um, for me to start really healing from the inside out and then watching it overflow into my family, into my marriage. It's been that part of this um, disaster has been beautiful. I'm really looking forward to hearing about what some of these tools are. And it's just so profound that you had them so that you, I mean, these gifts also, like you're saying, bled over into your family, right? Like you were able to show up and continue living your life for your other children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. that was very important to me. I I mean, they've been through so much trauma themselves. And I remember when this happened, the last, the, the one, the first thing I thought of is I can't subject them to any more trauma because of my own weakness or selfishness. Um, that's not fair for them. And this is already going to be tough enough, especially the ages they were 14, 18, and 20. I mean, it's hard enough to process this type of loss in your forties, you know, a child who's trying to discover who they even are, um, that is going to be a tough road for them. And I didn't want to contribute to that. And that's kind of why I hunkered down and started really diving into how I can be the healthiest version of myself in this loss. And I'm curious if like this process started December 7th for you, or if you had this time for just grieving and hitting true rock bottom before you kind of clawed your way out? Yeah, the, the healing started before. And so the, and that was mostly, um, learning about what we put into our bodies mm-hmm. has a, re- a direct reflection on our mental health. Yes. So we started this journey, um, Connor and I did of like no sugar. Well, I stopped alcohol because I was trying to help his sobriety. And I'm like, well, if I want to lose weight, drinking alcohol with all the sugars, probably not the, 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 you know, it's probably going to counteract what I'm doing. So I gave that up for that reason. And then to help his sobriety and to support him. So when he came over the house, it wasn't there, we weren't partaking in it. Um, but then learning, researching what sugar does to your body and which, and, and what, um, how it affects your mental health and how we're over sugared. And then, you know, going at my blood work done and learning about my fatty liver and learning about my, you know, borderline prediabetes and, and how that, affects you mentally. And so I was already on this eating cleaner and kind of cleaning out my body Mm -hmm. um, when all this happened. Um, So I really think that at the beginning was um, really helped me wake up, you know, get up and get out of bed. Um, We were also in the midst of of the holidays and and, um, I knew I had to. So I think that really helped me not, um, I knew that I already taken alcohol out of my, out of my lifestyle. And so I knew going there one was not good for the sugars and my health, but two, it probably would open up a really bad door. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's trauma can, uh, 
I have learned now trauma can actually trigger maybe some borderline addiction or borderline um, issue. Right. And so I just knew my family history that doing that would just be devastating and it probably wouldn't stop because I didn't want to be in pain and alcohol is going to, you know, mask that for a little bit. Doesn't help most. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah. So when he passed, it was of course just mass chaos and the holidays and we had just some tremendous help and friends and family really come and support us. Um, and then we actually went to uh, Montana on a family trip. We had planned this, um, before Connor passed away every other year, once the kids got older, we decided no presents trip. And we were planning this amazing trip to Montana. Connor was very excited. He loves the mountains. He loves snow. We had this snowboarding, you know, days and this sleigh ride and this, um, uh, snowmobiling trip. I mean, we had it all planned out. And so when this happened, you know, I asked the kids, I'm like, what, what do you want to do? You know, do you want to just cancel it. And, and they all, they all wanted to go. They said Connor would want us to go. And and we were able to get some of his ashes and sprinkle them and bring with us. And so that was very healing. And so, um, I think because we had all that, I mean, we had a service and three days later, we flew out to Montana, celebrated Christmas there. Um, we actually had both our parents. So I had my mom and my husband had his mom and that was very healing for us. Mm. Um, and then we got back and the new year started and I had to go back to work. Wow. Um, so that's when I started diving deep. I don't think that I ever, there was ever this like spiral, spiral, hit rock bottom. And then I had to pick myself up. I think it was days. There were days that there were good days and there's days that I couldn't get out of, couldn't get out of bed maybe once or twice. It couldn't function. Um, but I just kept digging and I kept learning, um, these, these tools. And right away I discovered breath work. Um, I discovered meditation right away. And that, helped, I think really regulate my nervous system, um, and help calm me so I could function. Amazing. Yeah. So simple. So easy <laughs> for us to access all the time for yeah. free. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay. So tell me about your breathwork practice. Tell me wh- what you did initially. So the first time I ever heard about it was we were, um, Connor was in treatment and we did like a parents weekend. And so they were telling us what they're teaching our loved ones. Mm -hmm. And one of it was breath work and box breathing. And so they actually had us participate in that so we could see how our bodies felt. And they had a psychiatrist, a psychologist on there that explained the nervous system and trauma and what it does and how we need to regulate and we, how we operate in our true self when, when, when we're in our regulated state. And so that was all new to me and very, very profound. And it made total sense and self-reflection. I'm like, wow, I do act when I am elevated. You know, I react, I don't respond. And so uh, they had us do the breathwork pra- practice. And right away, Emily, I noticed right away, I'm like, wow, my heart, I could feel my heart rate just totally calm down. And I'm usually an amped up kind of high energy person. And I was just like at rest. And I was like, that's fantastic if that works for them. Right. At that point, I didn't think I needed it, you know, but these, these are loved ones that are trying to heal. Um, so when Connor passed away, I had to go back right back to work. And typically on my way to work, I always talk to him. He loved talking on the phone with me or I listened to music and I would always send him songs, like encouraging songs. Connor, listen to this, Connor, you know, you can be this, listen to this. Well, I found myself not able to one, listen to any music. It would just devastate me. And I was in, I was in sales. And so I couldn't cry on the way to work. I had to be very poised. I was in, you know, um, custom home sales. And so I had to have an appearance. And so I just started listening to podcasts. And the only thing I could think of was healing through breath work. 
mm-hmm. if work for, it was working for Connor, it was working for these people. And so I started listening to podcasts about breathwork healing and meditation. And um, now what that went into is I just downloaded the simple app of meditation and I started this like introductory to meditation and it's like five minutes and then six minutes and then seven minutes and just doing that every morning. Um, then I found a beautiful person who did retreats and went on this beautiful retreat in August and really did a uh, true hour long activating breath work uh, session that actually activated my nervous system on purpose to move some trauma that I didn't know have to move that energy through me. That was, I've done that probably, I don't know, five or six times since then. That's beautiful. And that really helps move that uh, trauma through my body. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that's really been helpful and impactful as well. So now that you have gotten in touch with your own nervous system, yeah. which in my experience is a process, it's like getting to know someone, yeah. you know, yeah. um, and the longer I'm in touch with my nervous system, the more I'm, I'm learning the nuances and the subtleties. So I'm curious mm-hmm. for you, if it's been a journey similar to that and, um, and, and also what that looks like for me is like, I now notice subtle shifts in my nervous system. Like I notice when I get a little bit ramped up, whereas before I would have had to be like a 30 and now yeah. I can notice it maybe more at like an eight, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It has been a process and I've had really amazing people come alongside me that I didn't really know before that are kind of understanding of this and helping me and, and teaching me to trust my body and to listen to my body where I didn't think that was a thing before, you know, like, um, yeah. And so I learning and, and digging deep, like, oh, why am I feeling this way and learning how to be curious? Why am I, why am I nervous right now? What, what's making me nervous? Um, but like before I'd have to be screaming for me to go, Oh, I probably should go do some breath work. I probably need to go meditate. And now it's like, Oh, my stomach hurts or I have my heart's racing. What's, what's happening? What am I not? What is, what, what is my body trying to tell me? And the first time that happened, cause I always get like, through my life, I'd always get like, uh, my heart would start racing or I'd have this intuition or I'd have this like feeling that was just uncomfortable. And I never really explored it. I just thought, Oh, I just have this uncomfortable thing. Something's, you know, something's happening. So I had this, um, this job offer come, come to me and I was taking a walk with a friend of mine who's I've become really close with now who understands all this. And I was telling her about it. And the Tisha in 2021 would have been like, this is an amazing opportunity. This is exactly what I want to do. It was like coaching and mentorship. And I, I was going along with this offer and we had this orientation and I'm telling my friend this. And I said, and I just started, like my heart was racing. I was sweating during the orientation. It wasn't even hot. I was like, I don't know why I'm going through menopause. And she's like, Tisha, you're, and I was like, I don't know if I should take this job. And she goes, you already know your body was saying, heck no, hell no, don't take this. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the first time that the anxiousness and the sweating was like, Oh, my body was saying, this is not right. We are not where we're supposed to be. And this is not for you. And that was the first time I recognized that. Um, and that was pretty, that was pretty cool, but that was, gosh, that was in, I started kind of diving into this in fe- January, February. And that was before I realized that that was like in June. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have these, you know, 40 some years of patterns of mm-hmm. mind over matter and ignoring the body and trying to listen to our minds. And it's, uh, um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a whole shift. 
Yeah. And I think even too, my husband's been in this, doing this practice as well and, and learning about it himself and, um, the breath work and meditation. And I think our, our adult children who's so used to us being very passionate, which we're still passionate in, in a, in more of a responsive way and not a reactive way. I think they're catching on because, you know, the, the, as, as young adults do and teenagers do, they, you know, they test boundaries and when they don't get the reaction that they're used to, they can't look (laughs) as like ask questions or try to push even further. And, and, um, that's been pretty cool to see, to try to help them unlearn the unhealthy ways that we were reacting. Amazing. Such an amazing model. What was their healing process? Like, were they looking to you for guidance or did they have their own kind of yeah, each different. one is different. Mm-hmm. Um, the younger one being 14, he's just, it's still very impressionable. Um, more child hasn't really, you know, 15, 16, they start developing, I'm kind of, kind of an adult. And so he's, you know, he's listened and he's asked questions and, um, he was the first one I'm having my breathwork instructor come to a private session for our family on December 20th. And he was the first one that was like, Oh yeah, yeah, that's going to be great. That's exciting. And tell me more about the meditation. And uh, you know, if you want me to meditate with you, mommy, I will. And, um, he's been very curious. Uh, the other two it's they're, you know, 18 and 20 they're, they're watching, you know, they see, and they're very respectful. And I think that they are, um, probably very glad, you know, I'm sure as a 20 year old, male, he's probably worried about his mom, you know, worried about his mom. And he seems very supportive for my birthday. He bought me um, a sound bowl. So not knowing anything about like, you know, meditation or this inner healing, um, him and his, his sweet girlfriend bought me a sound bowl and some like meditation beads. And he was like, I really don't know what to do, but they said it's cool. (laughs) And I love it. Yeah. Um, He's paying attention. Yeah, he is. He's Mm -hmm. paying attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's paying attention. Yeah. You know, trauma and healing are terms that are much more in the vernacular these days, right? I feel like Mm -hmm. it's a lot of work. I've been doing my own work, even though I can't point to like trauma like you experienced. Yeah. I can't point necessarily to one traumatic event, but I have had a healing process that's been really important to my development, right? Mm -hmm. Because there are um, smaller things that can happen in life. Yeah. Uh, we can interpret as traumatic and as more how we respond to it than actually the event itself and what right. I've learned, right? So I think as people are hearing about all this healing and trauma, and that's obviously you've gone through something that's very clearly traumatic. Um, what What is your, I guess, do you have advice for people? Like, do you, or do you feel like the work that you're doing is necessary work for everybody, regardless of what they've been through in life? Yeah. And that's one of the things I talk about in my podcast is no matter how big or small, a lot of this trauma that I'm actually getting out of my body and moving that energy out is stuff that happened a long time ago that I didn't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah. Oh, that just happened. And, uh, you know, that, but looking back, going back to that inner child in that moment, I'm like, wow, that was pretty scary. And I held on to that and wasn't talked about. And I changed, it changed me, right? I can one of the biggest things that is just profound to me and Emily, I haven't really, I haven't really like found that I know there's science out there and I'm going to find it. I'm on a mission, but something happened to me, you know, when I went back, um, pretty traumatic, I, I was like eight and my mother had a, um, a mental breakdown. She had a, just, she, my dad was in the military. He was gone and she just had this episode 
And it was um, me and I had three siblings. My brother was older and he was pacing. The ambulance had to come get her out of our house and remove her. No family was around. And I was comforting my younger brother and my younger sister. And I remember being terrified because nobody was comforting me. I was eight. My dad didn't come home from the field. No one talked about it. No one made me feel safe. And I was so worried about my mom. I was very close to my mother and she was just, she just had, you know, just had a breakdown and it was scary. And I remember at that moment in my life, when I look back on like my weight, something changed in me. When I was born, I was born a teeny little tiny thing. I'm five, two. My mom had to like force me to eat. I like the, the doctor was like, she's too little. Like, you know, she, I was just little and something changed. And all of a sudden I was the chubby girl. And I had this metabolism that my brothers and sisters didn't have. Like they had this like bird metabolisms. And I always used to think, am I different? Like what's wrong with me? Why am I different? And I would, then I became an athlete and I used it and I became, you know, fit, but that I always struggled with that. When I went back to that point through this, this massage that I got this healing massage and the inner, this inner child came to me and I learned to go back to her and comfort her and heal that 60 pounds just dropped off me. Yes. I was not, you know, drinking and, and not eating, yeah. you know, but I wasn't, I wasn't out there running marathons and I wasn't out there crossfitting and it just fell off me. Mm-hmm. And I know that had to do something with releasing that trauma, something changed in me. Um, and so it wasn't anything big. It wasn't, you know, my parents, you know, nothing, a huge trauma, but trauma can be anything, you know, it can be, um, anything scary, and like you said, it's what happens around it. If it wasn't talked about it, if I didn't feel safe, if I didn't feel, um, you know, I felt like I had to be the caretaker, whatever it was, um, that's the really beautiful thing through the loss of Connor that I've been able to find is just healing things that have been stuck in my body that mm-hmm. I didn't think was a big deal. Um, and healing from that and being able to talk about it and be able to go back to that little girl and, and comfort her and show her grace. And, um, yeah, so I believe everybody, I mean, no, nobody has a perfect life. This world is full of, you know, good things, beautiful things, but bad things, you know, things that we all do the best we can. And I know my parents, they're beautiful. They did the best they can with what they know. I did the best I can. And I know for certain, I'm sure my children have had some traumatic experiences in their childhood. Um, because I'm not a perfect person. (laughs) And so, um, anybody I think can, can, um, benefit. And, you know, when we grow up, we're put in a box, you know, the society tells us you have to grow up and go to work, pay bills and die, go to work, pay bills and die. And that's, that's not what we were created. We were created to play and we were created to share joy and no one plays anymore. And nobody laughs. Adults are so serious. And, um, and that's not living. That's not, that's not what we're created to do. We're created to run and play and dance. And, um, somewhere along the line, we lose that. And so for someone to go back and find where they lost that and heal mm-hmm. that, yeah, I feel is just so important. Do you feel joy these days? I do. Wow. I do. I do. I learned, um, duality. I learned at this retreat. I didn't heard, I heard about the word. Someone said it and I was like, what is that? I'm always asking questions. I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> you just said something. I have no idea what you just said. And they explained to me what duality meant. And with that, I learned that I'm not going to suffer forever. I'll always feel pain for Connor. He's, uh, especially being my first boy, I had him at 17. We grew up together. He, I'll never not feel pain for not having him here in this world. Um, but however, 
we have the capacity to hold pain and joy in the same space. It's not one or the other. We're taught to run away from pain, push it away. If someone's having a bad day, you want to make them happy, right? Because you don't want them to feel pain. I've learned that we have both and we're capable of both. And I can feel pain of not having him here with me um, and joy that I'm living and I have beautiful kids and um, it's sunny outside and I can go play and I can go in my pool or I can, you know, dance. And so for a few months, well, probably the first half of the year, I thought I can't feel joy <laughs> because yeah. that means I'm not sad. Um, so in August, when I went to that beautiful retreat and I learned that I could hold both was a pivotal, it made me feel that I'm going to make it and I'm going to live. I'm, I'm going to live until I'm not, um, until it's my time to go. And uh, there's no guilt in that because I can hold both of that, both of those feelings in the same heart. Um, and that's what I do. I love that. Do you remember the first time you felt joy after Connor's passing? Um, let me think about that. Yeah, I can. Or um, allowed yourself to feel joy. Feel without the guilt. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It, it probably was, um, in Colorado in the mountains. Um, mm -hmm. I love nature. I feel Connor in nature. He was born in Colorado. He was our Colorado baby and he was always drawn to go back. Always loved the snow, always just a rustic, uh, what you would picture a Colorado boy looking like, you know, a young man looking like, and we were hiking and, um, it was our first day. This is before I learned about duality. We were hiking the first day up a, a black diamond mountain, pushing ourselves. And I, uh, picked up a rock and, um, I just felt him in this nature and I felt him all around me. And I was in this beautiful mountains of Colorado and the weather was beautiful and I felt him and I just felt him smiling right beside me. Cause I know he would be like gr grinned up, you know, um, loving where we're at. And I just felt so much joy and I didn't feel sad right after I kept that joy like the whole night. And it was mm. actually the night we went to our first breathwork session of releasing some trauma. And I ended that breathwork session laughing. Wow. <laughs> Cause I just felt this bubbling of joy. Um, yeah. You are so beautiful. I wish everybody could see this <laughs> video because and you, they can hear it in your voice, but you just radiate this. Um, it's love, but it's, it's just so much light. You radiate so much mm. light. Connor was thank light. God for your work and for yeah. like living, like wanting to bring him into everything that you're doing and for sharing that light because it doesn't, not everybody takes that path after yeah. such trauma. Yeah. And he, you know, he, when he got out of treatment, he went to this beautiful weekend retreat in the treatment center and really got to shed all his stuff off. And, um, they, he, at that point reached out to his, he was a believer and reached out to his God and just gave it all up. And he said, he's never felt peace, um, in his life before, like he did that weekend. And then he told us that, you know, that he really felt in his heart that he was here to heal people and to be a healer. And, so when he passed away, I was like, what was that about? Right. But I, um, I feel like now I'm his vessel to heal yeah. and it will be through him, through his spirit and through his, um, life and love and light, um, that it's, it wasn't in vain. He is yeah. going to help heal through me and I will, um, be that for him. This conversation, unfortunately is happening all over this country. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm curious now that you're on this side of it, um, like what you would say to other 
parents, maybe both those who are struggling and have kids who are struggling with addiction and those who aren't. And so maybe aren't having important conversations. Um, yeah, that's, that's a great question. And I, this is very important to me and I have, um, you know, I don't want to live in regrets of things I could have done or should have done. I've learned so much about this fentanyl crisis and it's almost like ignorance is bliss. I think if I knew now what I knew when Connor was in active addiction, I probably would have not ever slept. Mm. Um, it's, it's lethal, it's deadly. And there are children who are experimenting like children do. Hey, you know, this, we're at a party and a Percocet's here, or our Xanax is here. And, and like children do, they're curious. And, you know, probably, and if you had a room of a hundred people, adults, you know, 85 of them or 90 would say, oh yeah, I, high school, I experimented. Unfortunately, it is being cut and pressed with fentanyl. Um, and it is killing everybody. It's killing all these young people. And so unfortunately, even those who are not struggling with addiction and are just being children and experimenting are dying. So to, I, to that, I would speak to parents of just talk to your children about it. Tell them the dangers of it. Tell them it is not fair. It's not fair. When we were in the nineties in high school, it was safe. It wasn't, it was safe to experiment. It, it wasn't what your parents desired and, you know, put you in bad situations and yeah. you know illegal, but it was, it wasn't going to, to experiment with a pill was not going to risk taking your life. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately it's not fair and it's not safe to experiment and just share the stories, go on YouTube and look at the fentanyl crisis and they will have just pictures and pictures and pictures, a hundred thousand people last year, young eight, you know, it was at 14 to like 30 lives are lost. It's 300 wow. a day lives being lost to fentanyl right now, wow. 300 a day. It's incredible. And so I think incredible. just talking to them and, and, and empathizing with them. Yeah, I get it. You want to experiment. You want to see what's out there, but here, look at all these lives. It's not, you can't, and I know it's not fair and I know it's not safe and are not, you know, fair, but this is the world we live in today. It's not 1990. It's not 2000. Um, it's, it's, it's a crisis right now. It really is. And there was even a story where this, we live in Texas and so we were by the border. And so we hear a lot of like border stuff and there was this couple, this family and they lived down about an hour from the border and her son went over to Mexico with friends and went to a pharmacy. I've been to Mexico and I've been to the pharmacy and we have bought stuff that we can't get. We have to get a prescription. I get it, right? Went to a pharmacy to get Percocet. The bottle said Percocet. He took a Percocet and his mom found him in his room dead. The, they took the per- bottle of Percocet from the pharmacy in Mexico and tested it. It was 100% pure fentanyl. So it has infiltrated the pharmacies in Mexico. Talk to your kids when they go on spring break to Mexico. Tell them when they go for their senior trip. It is, it is out of control. Um, you can't do that anymore. We used to, I mean, we used to be able to do that, what, two years ago when you go to Mexico, you know? Um, talk to them about that. Learn about that. Um, it's scary. <laughs> it's very scary. Uh, to the moms or the families that have a child in addiction, the one thing that... Um, I wish I maybe could have offered Connor. I don't know that I would have changed anything, but when you have a child in, in addiction, there's a lot of shame and there's a lot of fear of what it looks like outside that. And so I would say a conversation that I might wish I might've had with Connor is Connor, I'm not saying that I think you're an addict. I don't think, I don't not saying that I know for sure that you have an addiction problem because they're going to lie to you. You're going to ask and they're going to say no. I fear that you may. And if you ever get to the point where you are and you're ready to give it up, 
I have, this is what I have planned. This is what I want to offer you. And for the families, go research the treatment centers, find three treatment centers you would send them to find out the cost, find out your insurance information, find out where you would send them to right away and tell them I've researched these three treatment centers. And then after those 45 days, I would love to send you to a sober living facility, whatever it is, have a plan laid out for them, right? We plan for our funerals. We plan for college, plan that for them. That way they know if they came to you or if they're done and they want to lay it down, they know what it looks like. It's not this big unknown. Where am I going to go? What's going to happen? They can research it. They can look, they can Google it on their phone say, this is what I would like to do. So when you're ready, come to me. And this is the plan I have for you. Almost like a, this is the easy, this is the easy button. I'm done button. They know what it looks like. Don't accuse them because they're going to get defensive as parents, you know, if they're an addiction, but if you ask them or tell them that's not going to be received, but come from a place of love. I love you. And when you're ready, if there is an issue and you're ready to lay it down, I want to offer this to you. I want to help you. And this is what I have to give you. I think that would be the number one thing that I would go back and tell myself about three years ago. Wow. That's gold. Um, something that I know that my audience loves to know about are great wellness tips and tricks. And you've already shared several, but I would love to know from you. And I have another question around health and wellness after this too, but, mm -hmm. um, What's like the number one, what's your number one health tip? Well, let's just call it that you would recommend everybody do. Give up sugar. <laughs> sugar is the legalist worst drug. I think, um, in America, they are, I believe they are poisoning us by accepting it. It is awful. It, um, does something to your brain and it is causing so many diseases right now. I mean, people are, not living long because they are getting pre-diabetic. I think there was a statistic and I don't, I'm, I don't know the exact number, but I think by like 2030, 80% of Americans are going to be type two di diabetic. Um, it's, it's hard. It's an, it's an addiction. Um, I know when I have a little bit, I'd start craving it again. Um, just, just lay it down. Just try your hardest to lay it down. There's alternatives out there. There's natural sweeteners out there you can do that are not artificial, but natural. Don't do artificial, please. Yeah. Um, I would say that would help you with a lot of things in your body, your joints, your face, your uh, energy. Um, just that's would be my number one thing. That's what I was going to ask <laughs> next. I mean, I lead like sugar detoxes because it is yeah. so important. Oh, do you? That's, yeah, I do. Oh, wow. Um, but, but I'm curious what you notice. It ranges for people so much. You just yeah. named some of the big ones. But for you personally, what did you notice? I thought I was ADHD. Mm -hmm. No. I was just amped up on sugar and it was messing with my brain. So when I am clean of sugar and I am detoxed from sugar, I am so clear headed. I'm not foggy and I'm not, um, I can focus, you know, I can focus. I thought it was ADHD and it was, um, I'm an active person, you know, I like to be active, but the biggest thing is fog, memory fog. And that's like inside me. That's the first thing I notice. The first thing I notice on the outside is, is my poofiness. I mean, yes. I, I'm actually kind of poofy right now because I had, you know, I had some sugar. <laughs> um, my mom has been baking and, um, anyway, so the first thing I Just noticed, I, I wake up and I'm like, I look like I'm hungover and I had yeah. a, a bencher last night and all I did was have two cookies. <laughs> um, so physically it's, it's my face right away, but internally 100% it's, it's my, my brain fog. I know giving up sugar can feel really daunting, even if it's just for a few days. 
But honestly, you can notice a big difference in how you look and how you feel after giving up sugar for just a few days. It's really amazing. I'm so excited by it that I'm resurrecting one of my most popular programs and I haven't offered it since 2019, but I am bringing it back and I'm offering my free online sugar shake off. This is gonna be a five day event where we ditch sugar. I have different levels for how intense you wanna go with it and it is going to be a lot of fun. Again, it's free, it's online. The link to sign up is in the show notes. Again, we're not getting started until March. If you sign up now, then I will add you to my email list and I will send you some bonuses so that starting will be easier. Um, And and another big one that I think people don't notice because you don't really realize your immune system when it's working well, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? We only notice it when we're getting sick all the time, but gosh, it's it's like the number one immune zapper. Oh, as far as getting sick? Yes. Oh, I haven't been, yeah, I haven't been sick um, with grieving your son. You know, that's, that can take a toll on your immune Mm -hmm. system the, the, the depth of the, 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 I mean, cause there's some really bad days, you know, I know that we talked, but there's some dark days and there's no colds, um, no flu, no COVID. I haven't, I haven't been, um, sick, no runny nose, no, no cough. Um, and that's uh, totally has to be from the sugar refined carbs. I kind of want to go back to that, um, conversation that we did have a little bit earlier about those bad days. And you said that what kind of kept you going was that like you weren't drinking and you knew that you weren't going to go back there because that wasn't going to be helping your Mm -hmm. grieving process. And I know when I'm having bad days, that's when I go to the things that are my comfort, which aren't necessarily good for me, but that's where Mm -hmm. I will be like in the pantry looking for sugar, thinking about Mm -hmm. a drink. So did you have a lot of, like, did you have to make rules for yourself or how did you just kind of stay on a higher path around that? I think learning the different tools, um, they're, they're the really dark days. Um, like in the winter time, early on when it was winter, I discovered cold plunging. And so if I woke up just really, really dark, I knew that I had to take, take, do some good breath work sessions, um, maybe meditate 10 minutes and then go cold plunge. Cold plunging, I think really saved me last winter. Um, it really helped me. And you know, I don't, I know there's science behind, I've read a little bit about it, but all I know is when I was doing it, it would help me sleep and it would help me not go raid the pantry and not go, you know, go to the liquor store and buy my bottles of wine and start drinking. Um, it just, it helped calm me and it, I regulated my nervous system. So I wasn't reacting. I was responding to my sadness and not reacting to my sadness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You were in a space of recognizing it and knowing you needed to care for it rather than run from it. Yeah. And allowing myself to feel this, you Mm -hmm. know, if, if I'm having a bad day, of course I'm having a bad day. It's okay. If I'm crying for four hours that, Oh, of course I'm crying for four hours. You know, if I'm, you know, we, my husband and I are doing counseling together through all this. And, you know, we walked in and we like, yeah, well, we kind of got an argument. Of course you got an argument. Like you're about to celebrate the, you know, the one year, you know, death of your son, you know, allowing to that to be okay. Um, I'm going to cry for two hours and and that's okay. I'm not going to, you know, I don't hardly wear makeup anymore because I cry all the time and, and being okay with it, not trying mm-hmm. to suppress it because of course I'm going to cry. Of course I'm going to feel emotion. You know, I miss my kid. Yeah. 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 But, um, now that you have implemented all of the self-care into your life, 
I am guessing that you have a pretty um, standout morning routine just to help you get out the door and feel good. Mm-hmm. So will you tell us a little bit about if you do and if it's yeah, important yeah. and what it looks yeah. like? Oh, it's, yeah, it's always my mornings. I've always been a morning person. Mornings have always been pretty important to me. My kids are younger. It was very important for me. I didn't understand why. Now I know about the nervous system and and this practice. Um, I always knew that I had to get up before them and have my coffee and do my reading um, and journaling before they even got up. And I was a better mom or go run, do my running before. Um, I just it made me a better mom. And now I know why. Um, and so getting up before everybody is very important to me. It gives me my alone time that I need. It gives me the Tisha time. Um, I depending on the day, depending on the season, um, will cold plunge, you know, meditate, have quiet time, have my cup of coffee. It's almost a ritual, my cup of coffee. It's not about the caffeine because it really doesn't kind of wakes me up and not really. I mean, I can drink a cup of coffee and go right back to bed, honestly. honestly. (laughs) Um, But the ritual of something warm and just self love Mm -hmm. does something for me. Um, So I always make sure that I, I get up and I have my quiet time and I reflect And lately, it's been very important to me to have gratitude, naming the three things that I'm grateful for at that moment and why I'm grateful for them or what impact they've had on me for whatever I'm grateful for. Um, That's very, very important to me. And then that's like a a, a no no negotiation. I have to do that Um, because there is a lot of beautiful things that I have that I'm very fortunate to have. You know, I have a beautiful family and a husband and, and a roof over my head and um, food in my pantry and, and, and a mother here that loves me and a father. I mean, so, um, that's very important to me. Um, but to get up, I, before I have to get ready every morning without negotiation, if like, if I have to be in the shower to start getting ready at eight 30, I always give myself an hour and a, a, an hour and a half of just me time. And sometimes it's just staring at the the fire with my warm cup of coffee and breathing. Um, sometimes it's a cold plunge. Sometimes it's, you know, stretching. Sometimes it's walking, it's running. Um, but it always is at least 30 to 45 minutes of giving myself self-love and naming what I'm grateful for at that moment. Mm, love it. Is there anything else that you want to share that I haven't known to ask you? Um, no, I think you've asked me. I think that the biggest thing is, is get to know yourself, get to know who you are and find out who that inner child was, find out who you were, ask family members. If you're not sure, um, the world tells you all these bad things. If you're a, a a big, bold, you know, beautiful person that you're told you're bossy and you're too much and go back to who you were at three and four and, and ask for those attributes, right? Who was I? What was my personality like? That's who you are and that's who you're created to be and find that person again and 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 play and live and uh, laugh. Laugh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Okay, Tisha, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram. I'm pretty active on Instagram and that's uh, my Instagram tag is Tisha Inslee. So it's T-I-S-H-A-E-N-D-S-L-E-Y. And then I have a, a Facebook group, Permission to Live Facebook group, if you want to join that as well. And and then my podcast, of course, will be launching in January and that is Permission to Live with Tisha Inslee. I can't wait for that. And I yeah. will link all of those in the show notes so people can find you with ease. Thank Great. you so much for taking time with us today and having this really um, hard, meaningful, inspiring conversation. Thank you. Thank you, Emily. And thank you for having me and doing what you're doing. I think it's wellness and health is so important and so overlooked um, in the U.S. And I think this, that everyone needs to dive deeper into that to feel whole. 
If you're still listening, thanks so much for sticking around. If you love what you heard, please hit follow and pass along to a friend. You can help others find this podcast more easily by taking a moment to rate and review. And if you're curious what it's like to work with me or just want to learn more about the work I do in optimizing your own wellness, head to my website, emilygeiser.com. You can connect with me directly on Instagram at emilygeiser. Links for those are in the show notes. I'll be back next week and hope you will be too. Until then, think good thoughts and go for them. <laughs>